Welcome to Restoration Basics. We are given a warning in the 12th chapter of the second book of Nephi that says some will say you should eat, drink, and be merry. So we are here trying to eat, drink, and be Joseph. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I, am joined, uh, I am joined with two others, and my name is Andrew Smith. Uh, you guys want to introduce yourselves. Josh Patterson. <laughs> Just I Jason. missed that guy. <laughs> oh, man. Just Sam Jordison here. Oh, and Jason Kane, as always. So, we are here today picking up back in 2nd Nephi. You know, when we formatted our roadmap for um, how many chapters we would do per episode, we had 8 through 11 for one episode. And we sat down to do that episode last week. And um, it was about an hour into it. And we were only in chapter eight still and so we just cut it off and now we're we're gonna see where things go and so we are starting back in chapter nine that continues on um really the the same kind of stuff we were talking about a lot of isaiah that he's quoting um in chapter nine and ten and then 11 we get into nephi's um interpretation of of what jacob and, and nephi have been telling the people so um guys what do you what what were your initial reactions to these couple chapters isaiah is hard to understand that's exactly what i was gonna (laughs) say (laughs) chapter nine is uh difficult to get through a little bit there's a lot of very specific words and places and people uh, that you really have to dig deep to understand and we didn't really dig that deep so well there's like buzz not buzzwords but uh words that we recognize because we hear them a lot in the restoration you're like oh i can connect that with something but yeah it's just you really gotta make sure you know what you're you're getting into when you talk about isaiah and not not necessarily i don't know if it's frustrating kind of frustrating is knowing that it's so valuable to understand what is said here and not being able to just get it like the rest of the book of more like it's obvious nephi put these words in here for a reason it's obvious that uh, mormon when he was translating now he didn't translate these this part of the book of mormon or a bridget but when he uses isaiah or, or anybody else and to know that it was in here for a reason god wanted it nephi wanted it and it just doesn't come as simple as the rest of the book of mormon does so i i have a question for both of you and this doesn't only apply to Isaiah, but uh, I think it applies to all prophecy. And I think, well, I guess I have two questions to start. And um, one of those is when looking at just prophecy in general, do you think it's easier to understand after the prophecy has been fulfilled or before? Oh, after. Yeah, after. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I would say so too, at least in my mind, where you can see actually where things fit in and stuff. Uh, when Jesus had all these prophecies about his death, uh, no one really knew what he was talking about, and they they were trying to form it into their own imagination. And even then, in his life too, like they didn't understand the prophecy about his life because oh, they were sure, all yeah. waiting for a guy to come over through the Romans. Yeah. Well, well, and on top of that, a lot of the prophecies of Isaiah talking about Jesus Christ is in the present tense and saying like he is or um, he has, even the past tense, but it still hasn't actually happened yet, and and so. That's something that Nephi goes when he's explaining this, that he, he has to explain to the people that this is all actually a prophecy and not just something that has already happened. But So where does that put us? Is that a prophecy for the Nephite people? Or is that in the future for them only 
is that in the past for us? What do you think? So uh, on these revelations, anyway, I um, I was talking with a friend. Actually, Andrew, you were there too. It was with um, Ron Smith, who's been, uh, you know, I was, went to church with him growing up. Wonderful missionary, wonderful mentor to, you know, wonderful student of the scriptures. And he's always able to to convey those things in a exciting manner. But we sat down and talked to him and, and he actually asked, did he ask us to come over? Yeah. After yeah. church, after yeah. either one of us preached. We I think, thought you I, were in trouble. That's right. I thought I said something wrong because I preached and I, <laughs> I said something wrong in the, the sermon because he was like, hey, can you come over after and uh, and we'll just, you know, I'd like to discuss some things with you. And, you know, we sat down and talked to him and he has been going through um, the Book of Mormon at that time. He was, I'm sure he's through it by now, but at that time he was rereading the Book of Mormon and he was studying every morning, spending time. And he has been a student of the scriptures for a long time, but he was really sitting there asking himself and asking God why Nephi would put all these things of Isaiah in the scriptures and why, what was the benefit of explaining it to them what happened in Jerusalem and, and everything like that. And the answer really comes because the same thing that happens to the Jews can happen to the Nephites and does happen to the Nephites and does happen to the Lamanites and will happen to us because the advice has always been the same from the rebel. Like Isaiah basically said, you're not going to, this is what's going to happen. Jerusalem's going to be destroyed because of this. And because they were sinful and, and wicked, it was destroyed. And then Nephi uses these revelations to convey to his people in his time to say, if you're not righteous, this is what's going to happen to you. Just like what happened to over, over the ocean to our, um, our house of Israel. And the revelation that Ron broke through on and was explained to us is it still applies <laughs> today to us. Like you cannot escape this. This is because we're living in the promised land. We're living in a land that has wonderful blessings, wonderful promises However, one of those promises is you will get swept off this land if you're not righteous. Yeah, exactly. Like, even if some of the particulars of a certain revelation or prophecy doesn't necessarily apply to us today because something's already happened, doesn't mean you can't take the lessons from those prophecies because then you can, like you said, be righteous and kind of try and avoid some of the consequences for our sin or uh, other things like that. But. That's a, a really good point, both of you said, um, and it leads to something that I really appreciate about God is that he is eternal, so the things he gives us are eternal as well. And so when it comes to prophecy, um, advice, and any of these things, they're all eternal. And, and like Sam said, uh, or like both of you said, just because we don't live in the city of Jerusalem doesn't mean if we don't do, or if we do the things that they did, it doesn't mean that we won't get swept off too. You know, uh, we have the same opportunities, but same warnings that that if we don't follow God, if we um, live that sinful life or um, just don't heed His His commandments, uh, we have we have that kind of anti reward as well, or that punishment. And it's not. I feel like I say this all the time, um, but it's a good thing to hear. Is and it's not like. As soon as you do it, God's angry for you. That's just the way he created it. And it's the only way for us to learn is that we have to realize that each of our decisions make make an impact of in our eternal walk with him. And so, if we were to escape consequences 
when Jerusalem didn't, then it would show that God isn't fair. He's not just. And so, by allowing us to be subject to those same punishments as just the people of Jerusalem did, allowing everyone to be subject to those same things is um, just showing his justness, I guess. Um, But it's something I really appreciate about God, and it's something I think we can learn from this chapter because a lot of it doesn't directly apply to us. Um, Like we were saying, Isaiah is kind of hard to understand. And so, if you looked on the surface level, we're like, yeah, we're not any of these people listed here. We don't live in Moab, as it says. We don't, I mean, like uh, all these proper nouns, you can pick out any of them and say, these don't apply to us. I don't know anybody named this and blah, blah, blah. But the concept behind it applies to us as well. And and, and that concept really is the same one we've heard from the beginning. You know, Sam said it. The backside of that is that um, the wicked will be swept off if we don't obey the commandments. But the good side of that is if we do, then we'll we'll be blessed in the land. So, And Nephi, not necessarily to that, but to the point of, I say it's hard to understand, is to his credit, Nephi writes that. He says, this is skipping all the way to verse, or chapter 11, I'm sorry, because not to not to just jump over 9 and 10, we can go back there if any of you feel that, but really, I feel like the, the gold is in 11 because Nephi just basically tells us what was said by Isaiah, and it's kind of plain, and he says, Isaiah spoke many things, and they're hard to understand. He says, my people, my people didn't understand because I didn't teach them the ways of the Jews because a lot of the things the Jews were doing were not good. They didn't, they didn't need to be subject under those teachings and those rules because that would have just made the, the prophecies cloudy. So I'm just going to tell you now what it is. And he, he also says, now this is, this is a key here. We say we don't have the interpretation and, and here's our answer on how we get the interpretation of those last two chapters is he says, um, in verse five, because the words of Isaiah are not plain unto you, they are plain unto all those who are filled with the spirit of prophecy. So basically if the spirit of prophecy is in you, you're going to understand what was said. And, uh, it's too bad that we don't have those gifts maybe to our own demise. Like we don't work for them, but we don't have those gifts as much in the churches we'd like. Yeah. And the thing with, understanding scripture in general, but especially revelation and prophecy and Isaiah is, you know, if you truly seek out in your heart with the Lord, what you want to understand in there, he's going to give those answers. If you put in some of that work too, you can definitely go through and study and other people have come up with good interpretations. And at that point, if you're looking to other people, you have to use discernment there to make sure that is of God and God, God will guide you to where you need to be. I really liked in, um, in verse four, just skipping back just a little bit, he says, I write unto my people. Um, so they, they received this, but also unto all people that come hereafter that, that want to know. And so, you're looking for a place to to find something you know we talk a lot about scripture and trying to apply it to your life but um nephi is saying listen this is something that anyone can apply if you are looking for god i i'm trying to give some this is for you this chapter is for you so um this would be a great place to study great place to look into um it's fairly long chapter we have Right about 160 verses, and it seems to be all um, him talking about 
that interpretation of Isaiah, which which is understandable because he's been quoting it for quite a while. Uh, and Nephi also has this gift of understanding Isaiah, and he also says, "My soul delighteth in plainness unto my people that they may learn." And so that that's why this whole chapter exists is because he's like, "I get it. I I read this to you guys, but you don't really know what I'm saying." So. Now I can kind of break it down for you, and and that's a delight to him to kind of share this new knowledge that they don't have that uh, he does because he has that spirit of prophecy in him. But can we take a second to address the fact that kind of outside the chapter, but Nephi delights in the words of Isaiah, which I think a lot of us can um, maybe they're not the words of Isaiah, but but identify with some part in the scriptures like, Oh, I really like this verse in Alma, or I really like this verse in first Corinthians or, you know, whatever and grab onto that and, and really take it to heart. But the thing that makes it so that it, that makes Nephi a good leader, I think in this aspect is that he, he delights that his, his people may learn plainness unto my people. So he's not going into this, like, no, I love Isaiah and I'm just going to copy verbatim what he's saying to my people. And if they really like Isaiah, they'll understand it. Or if they're intelligent to, enough to understand. You know? yeah, yeah. He's saying, how can I reach my people on the best? How can, how can I fit this into something they'll take and digest and understand and be able to act on? And that's so important in our own lives, in every and everything we do in our witnessing of other people is being able to apply the scriptures in our lives, either in action. Sometimes we don't mention that it's, we get it from scripture, right? We, we just try and uplift people, not necessarily like, Hey, this is now there's definitely time for, for everything and, and being um, explicit with, Oh, I use the scriptures or um, I'll pray for you. But then there's other times where it's like, how can I, best reach this person and sometimes that person will best receive that if they're kind of standoffish to god or the idea of god and church in a way that's more natural to them i think that's important to remember i think that's something jesus did a lot and i was going to ask you a question uh, specifically about that verse because when we were on when we were being i was about to say interviewed um on Restoration Gospel Podcast, Restored Gospel Podcast. I do that every time. <laughs> Restored Gospel Podcast. He asked you about preparation and, and the classes we take over to Kenya. And your answer was much like that. It was that we just try to adapt to a way that they will best understand it. Because God is not a God that is is going to just stand there and say, no, I'm, go- I'm not going to reach you where you are. I, I know this is how you best learn but I'm going to always teach this way. No, he's always going to teach you in the way that you need to be taught. And and so I really liked that answer too. And I, I liked how you brought that up. But I can appreciate how Nephi felt that way as, as well, is that it's really important that moving forward when we're part of the gospel, when we have we have been blessed with such, such a great gift, is that we should be willing to go to people and say, listen, if this is what you're willing to accept, then I'm going to give it to you. Mm-hmm. And there's more, you know, instead of, oh, you're not willing to accept that um, Joseph Smith was a prophet right now. Well, leave, you know, that, <laughs> yeah. that's, I, I feel like if Jesus were here, that's not what he would do. You know, that's not where the line would be. Well, Josh, I didn't get to ask Josh, or we didn't get to ask Josh about this last week, but Josh, he has a good 
he just calls it the sweet before the sour. And sometimes there is times to call out sins and stuff, but he, he talks about he, he wants people to know before they know anything that God loves them, that it's a God that cares for them, that Christ came and died for their sins of his own volition, not that they shouldn't be doing what they're doing. And then when they are able to see his actions and when that it fits better in their minds, because they're like, oh, here's this guy who's not judging me, but he's not partaking, just what he talked about last week. And and we can try and enact that, to, you know, in everything sweet before the sour. Who wants sour <laughs> ever? <laughs> like sometimes you need it, but you don't it go It never draws out you for, in. No, yeah, yeah, never draws you in. And I, this gospel is so attractive because of what it's done in my life, but it's not attractive when you start out with, hey, you're going to hell <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. When, when you said this gospel is attractive, I was thinking like, you know, what, what makes, what would make it attractive to someone who doesn't know anything? And that's seeing how it affects any of our lives and how much joy that brings to us and that they want that joy too. Regardless of where people are at in life, they want to be happy. They want to feel joy. And some people don't know that the best joy comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and that's the main thing that I tend to, and I, I know you guys too, is try to preach and teach to other people is that you need to have that relationship with Jesus Christ because that's going to get you through the door and into all this other stuff and, and some of the finer, more deep details of doctrine and our church and stuff like that. I was having a conversation with Josh's older brother, and um, he introduced me into this idea or concept of Jesus having this hook that he used. And I, I kind of took and ran with that, took that and ran with it. Um, but like in a speech class, you're, you're told to start out with um, the first sentence is called the hook. It's an interest grabber or whatever you call it. And Jesus used this technique a lot. And the example Josh's brother used was the woman who was caught in adultery. And had it been down to that initial meeting meeting time, uh, he really had two things that he could do. He could say, yeah, I, I don't approve of that. She's getting the appropriate punishment. Sorry, couldn't think of the word. And the second choice would be to do what he did. And he said, all right, well, whoever hasn't sinned can throw the first stone. And which one shows love to her first off? I mean, it, it's obvious that, that the hook is is there if he uses the the choice that comes with love and and so that drew her in and it it got her interested he, you know she knew that he was a rabbi she knew that he was a teacher of the people and after this i'm sure that was what really got her into it and she might not have ever heard of Jesus before that time but it doesn't matter because had there been a possibility that he didn't show her love and still she survived, she wouldn't have followed him. But it was because he showed her love in a time that was inconvenient, maybe even for him, because they were looking and saying, this is a sin. We know it's a sin. Okay. So what's he going to, what's he going to do? How is he going to react? Because he's preaching all this stuff and about love and blah, blah, blah. And, and that hook only comes when, when we show that love that Jesus showed. And so when Nephi is saying here that 
I want to make this as plain as possible. He's saying, I want you to be interested in this so that you can study it out and get the deeper parts later. Like, I, there's, there is more to this than what I'm going to tell you, but this should get you excited. And that's how we should be as well, is that mm. we, should, we should spread that attractiveness of the gospel. Um, and that attractiveness comes because we are loving. I mean, that we should be the attractive things of the gospel like they're not going to look at the bible and say wow that looks awesome they're going to look to our lives and say wow they are loving that's something i want i mean my family isn't loving you know i i want that in my family my my workplace isn't friendly i want that in my workplace and so we should really be that that light on a hill where they can look to and say hey um i want that part but it, it all comes from understanding that we need to reach people where they need to be reached. And so Nephi is really pointing that out here. Yeah, and to kind of go back into the chapter, this plainness also comes with responsibility. Because um, in 37, he says, I've spoken plain that you cannot err. And so he, he talks about Christ being the center. and But then he also says, Wherefore, for this cause hath the Lord God promised unto me that these things which I write shall be kept and preserved and handed down unto my seed from generation to generation, that the promise may be fulfilled unto Joseph, that his seed should never perish as long as the earth shall stand. Wherefore, these things shall go from generation to generation as long as the earth shall stand, and they shall go according to the will and pleasure of God. And the nations which shall possess them shall be judged of them according to the words which are written. And so he's saying that there's this, he, he's basically saying, I'm, I'm giving you this information. I'm explaining things to you. I'm trying to have you have more knowledge, which will give you that love and joy. But once you accept that, you're held accountable for it. And that's something that is kind of against the whole once saved, always saved thing. You're, you're going to be judged by what you know. You're going to be judged and held accountable for what you know. And these laws, these all, all this doctrine in all the scriptures are given to us. And if we turn away from that, then we'd be judged accordingly. Well, this chapter is um, it's, all, it's so chock full of Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's so plain. Um, because he's he's giving the interpretation and like you say, making it very plain. Um, you could you could pick probably every other verse and put it on a T-shirt for a good quote for or a motivational. You know, this is this is what we're about. And in forty eight, he really lays it down because it's I, this. These were on our um, T-shirts in the Book of Mormon internship. We had not our official T-shirts, but um, T-shirts we wore when we were all together and just kind of lounging around. But it says. And we talk of Christ, we rejoice in Christ, we preach of Christ, we prophesy of Christ, and we write according to our prophecies that our children may know to what source they may look for a remission of their sins. And it's this chapter is just so full of Jesus Christ and, and Nephi wanting his people and their children to have a relationship with Christ and not to hijack it from anywhere else you were guys were going to go, but... Um, I think we could we could spend a lot of time on any scripture here, but it boils down to our relationship with Christ. And I want to know something. We we use that term a lot. It, it's all about your relationship with Christ. What does that mean? Like, what does a relationship with Christ mean 
what does it look like? Because I can say, oh, yeah, my relationship with Christ is good, but I've never seen him. Like, <laughs> I've never, I, I pray to him and I, yeah, a lot, but, but I don't necessarily always, I've heard him speak in a still small voice a couple of times, but I don't have, I've never heard an audible voice. So paint me a picture, one of you, if you would, what a relationship with Christ looks like in your life or for, for our listeners who, who kind of want to put that into words a different way. I don't know if this is um, the best way to word the answer, but I feel like this is what I'll say. <laughs> and it comes down to what you both talked about a couple episodes ago, and that is a relationship with, with anyone else here on earth consists of um, some sort of quality time, some, some sort, uh, whether it be in person, over the phone, uh, playing video games or, or anything, some sort of quality time. And really, when, when we talk about our time with Jesus, it's the same thing that we, we need quality time with him and it just looks different. And that comes through being in his service and being about his work. Like we talked about earlier, you know, that I, I won't say this whole story again, but Mary and Joseph leave Jesus in Jerusalem when he's young and, and they come back and when they find him, Jesus says, you should have known where I was. I'm, I was about my father's work. And that's, that's where we should be as well. I mean, if we want quality time with Jesus, if we want to be close to him, then we have to be doing what he's doing. And, and so having a relationship with him consists wholly of doing his work with, with furthering his message of the gospel and you know, I, I would be a bad friend if I were to go uh, intentionally against either one of your our wishes. You know, I mean, if Jason said, I really, really, really don't want you to uh, turn on that sink in <laughs> in there. And you know, you can't turn on my sink. <laughs> you should know that. By this now. is a real story. Not going to lie. Uh, no, if Jason says that and then I look at him straight in the face and then go to the next room and turn on the sink, he's not going to be very happy with me. And we're going to be worse friends because uh, unless it's just a prank or whatever. But um, <laughs> Got him. Got him. Turned on your sink, Jason. <laughs> Pranked you. Never recover from that. Anyway, but, but that's how it is with, with Jesus as well is that we know what his message is and we should better than anyone because we have more counts of him than most do here on the earth. We know that he came to preach of the kingdom and to preach love and repentance and all of these different things. And if we're not, if we're not actively going about what he has preached to us already, then how can we say we are good friends with him? How can we say we're close to him? Yeah. It, when I think of it, I just think, what what does a relationship with Christ look like? What does a relationship with you know, anyone look like? It with your wife, your significant other, your best friends. Like, what does a relationship look like? It's like you said, quality time, service, sacrifice, and just being there for someone. Um, consistency. Yeah, consistency. Just always, and in the terms of your relationship with Christ, just you know, always sticking with it. And when we want to show love to Christ, the best thing to do, and not necessarily easiest thing to do, but one of the easiest things to get started is following his commandments. And because he's given us commandments for a reason. And so he loves us so much to give us a roadmap to a great life. And so 
the way we show love is to follow it. And in Matthew chapter seven, uh, I know you we've all heard this before, but this is like you know this will this will surprise some people if they don't understand the restored gospel a little bit. But he'll say Jesus talking said in verse thirty of chapter seven, it's not everyone that saith unto me Lord Lord that shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father who is in heaven. Um. For the day soon cometh that men shall come before me to judgment, to be judged according to their works. And many will say unto me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? Then will I say, ye never knew me, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And I think that would be (laughs) kind of, you know, here's these people who really thought they were doing everything right, and it came down to not knowing Jesus and and we take that and say you know having that relationship with them. But there's another scripture in First John that says, "How do you know God?" And it's you know Him by keeping His commandments, just what you said. And so that relationship is put into action. Um, not to beat a dead horse here because we've answered the question right now. But keeping those commandments and following what He's asked us to do is the relationship that we're talking about with with Jesus. And again, I could I could probably pick any verse in this this chapter, but if you're reading along with us in Second Nephi chapter 11, you're, you're going to find some good stuff in here, but that's all I really wanted to, to point out tonight, I guess. I think there's some interesting stuff in here about the relationship of Christ and the law, because the people at this time are still beholden unto that law, but they are well aware of what Jesus is coming down for, and that's to fulfill that law. And Nephi ends up saying, basically, once the law is fulfilled, you need to follow Christ, and that's the way that you need to go because the law had been fulfilled, and then you're just following a dead law. And it's very plain. And in 55, it says, And now, behold, I say unto you that the right way is to believe in Christ and deny him not. And Christ is the Holy One of Israel. And that's after saying some things about needing to not be a stiff-necked people and um, understanding the deadness of the law and telling their children that through Christ, that that's the way you need to go. It's very interesting in my mind that that we talk about how God doesn't change, obviously. And this isn't directly related. I, it might be a tangent we can just not even go that far into but you know god is is not going to change we know that that's that's he's a constant and and so it's just interesting in my mind how he gave the people um that there is two different laws you know and and maybe not that they're telling us to do different things it's just that there were um different standards for each time and and there was a transition that needed to be made uh, when they were given the law of Moses and then when they had it taken away or when we had it taken away and uh, it's just an I don't know just an interesting thing to think about I think in my mind because uh, I I think that's a, a big thing the Jews would say is that well, why why would we follow someone? Why Why would we do that? We were given this law by Moses like God doesn't change. Why would he take away his law? You know, um, what do you guys think about that? I think it stems, and this is getting dicey because I don't know my Old Testament very well, but it stems from, you know, Moses came down with the first law and broke it. 
because the people were worshiping the golden calf. You know, so there was obvious, <laughs> there was obviously something more than those Ten Commandments that that we had to do. That if we were really living up to our full potential, um, that we could have. And I think, hopefully, I'm not making a bridge here where it doesn't belong. But we talk about the celestial law and really living up to our full potential of being just testimonies of Christ in everything we do and and having Him, you know, basically our our heads. Um, the head of the body, the head of the church leading us in every direction we need to go. And he, he needs us to be in. And that's the, that's the law. I think that, that if you understood the history of like, Oh, Moses came down and he broke that first law. And now we have a, a, a very strict law that tells us, you know, how many steps we can take on the Sabbath and what we can eat and, and all these things, knowing that there's something better. That's, that's much less, um, I won't say less, strict but less dependent on man and his his ability to do things you know like we as humans cannot take more than 10 steps on the sabbath it, no it's it's like what would christ do in this situation and having him make these actions and just following the law that's written in our heart by him that's what that's what i get from this idea that we're going to change over from following the written law into this this law that Christ brings that is basically be like Christ, have this relationship with him. I guess that's where I was kind of going and I went about it in a, in an awkward way, but just to highlight that transition of the law to a transition of the, the people weren't ready for that higher calling. And we have to decide today if we are also not ready for that higher calling, because like we've said, Although our, our names might not be, um, we might not be the Israelites, but the, the things that God is saying to them, he's saying to us as well. And, is, and just as Moses came down with the law, we have the option to take what we, what we have and, and only follow it on a surface level. We have um, the option to, to not dive any deeper or to take the lower road and and not take that celestial law to heart. And so when we have prophecy from Isaiah, when we are reading the Book of Mormon or, or any scripture, we really have to look into it with the expectation that we are going to deepen our relationship as much as possible. And that comes through making that difficult choice. You know, uh, like Moses came down and they were like, no, we don't want that law. We want you to make us a cow out of gold. And he's like, oh boy, these people aren't ready for what I just got. <laughs> I mean, like, could you imagine going from being in God's presence to, we want a gold cow, we want a gold cow. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. But at the same time, maybe it does make sense because us today, we are in the presence of God multiple times, hopefully multiple times a week. Um, we go to church and um, hopefully we're being in the presence of God there. But then you know, what do we do when we get home? What do we do the rest of the week? Are, are we really worshiping God in every step of the way or are we worshiping things of the world? And and that's you know something I, I do. I get very busy and I like to do a lot of other things rather than read my scriptures or just meditate and be with God. There's, there's a lot of other things that I love to do, whether that's a good thing or not, or how well I'm spending my time. I can go from 
being in the spirit with God to doing my own thing. So I don't know. And that's really what I was trying to get to there as well is that we are presented with that same choice the Israelites were presented. And we have available to us this celestial law, this uh, access to something that's so precious. And are we going to look at it and say, I want something that I can see. I want something that I can hold in my hands and I want a gold cow. <laughs> you know, uh, are we going to look at it and say, this isn't worth anything to me. I want, I want something else. I want something that I can make. And, um, you know, that's just really where it comes, where the, where the rubber hits the road. It's, it's where it comes into your life and, and applies is that you are presented with this choice every single day, whether you're going to come down from that mountain or maybe even just stay down on the, in the valley, you know, uh, maybe you're not to the mountain yet, but are you, are you satisfied there? Do you want to just stay there? And, and the transition be- between the Mosaic law and the celestial law or, or the, the law of love that Jesus brought is that same transition that we must must go through. And and so, as many people would be confused, most of which I've heard coming from um, the Jewish faith, just, just using that as a uh, another argument against the Bible and all those things, um, or against really the New Testament and Jesus, is that God isn't changing. He's always presented us with that choice. He's always given us a choice, whether you know, you can really take this to heart or you can do it just on the surface level and point to Christ anyway. You know, we talked about last time, everything in the world is typifying of Christ and everything in the Mosaic Law, it may not have been, um, it may not have brought people to a position where they were going to accept Jesus because that's not what the Jews did, obviously, but it was pointing to him. I mean, there's no doubt about it. When they had that Passover feast and they killed that lamb, I mean, who else in the world could that have been? How could that have not been Jesus, you know? And, and the lamb of God. Yeah, <laughs> really. So, I don't know. It's it's just it's just um, important to see, I, I say this a lot, the consistency of God throughout the whole thing is inspiring to me. It is that He He adapts to our choices and He adapts to the choices we make. Like the Israelites made, He was like, "Okay, you're not ready for the celestial law. I have something. I have something for you." And it, even then, when they're not ready for that, He still has something available for them. And it's like Nephi says, "I love you so much. I'm going to make this easy to understand." God says to the Israelites, I love you so much. I'm going to make this law super simple for you because that's what you need right now. You are so rebellious. <laughs> I can't even leave you alone for 40 days without a leader. I mean, uh, and so we made the law strict because that's what they meant. That's what they needed. And so it's just up to us to make that choice, make that decision. to. Yeah. And following Jesus really is pretty simple and becoming a Jew who follows the law law by law and actually upholds all the laws that's pretty difficult so Christ fulfilling the law just makes it more accessible but also you know more people are held accountable but still right there's there's a lot less structure yeah 
and and just believing in Jesus, you know. They had so much structure with how many steps they could take on the Sabbath, like Sam said, and all these just structural requirements they had to, to meet, you know? Yeah. 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 Nice. <laughs> Sam's the, the Jason of this episode. That's right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's been pretty good. Sorry, I wasn't saying well, because I, like, no, I was just like, well, maybe, I guess. Not that, I was just saying that you don't not talk a lot like i don't think that's you so. well <laughs> well i think that really about wraps up chapter 11 uh, nine, and ten. nine and ten and well you're right 11 10 and nine all the 30 second we spent on nine and yeah ten. sorry we didn't really go through a lot of it but we kind of like to just take some of the themes and let see where it goes but and again, this is where we really uh, would like to depend on you uh, listeners as well, is that if if we're not talking about things that you want us to talk about, if if we pass over some scriptures that are important to you that you think are important to others as well, tell us. I mean, we want to we want to put everything out there, and we want to not we don't want to just make everybody happy and and tell everybody what they want to hear, but. If there's something important that you think people should hear, then and by all means, then uh, we would be more than happy to do that. So please, we have an email, we have a Facebook page, and um, feel free to, to message us, email us, anything like that. You can even leave us a, uh, a voicemail, I guess, if you go to our Stitcher page. Uh, Anchor page. Anchor page. Wow. Well, I was Ooh, close. So close. But uh, regardless... Thank you for joining us on this journey through chapters 9, 10, and 11. But we talked about being involved. We would like to kick that off with our sweepstakes. We would like you to enter. Please call 816. What's your phone number, Sam? <laughs> it's not an 816 number. I can tell you that. That is correct because he's from Iowa. Um, we would like you to join in our sweepstakes by liking our Facebook page. And if you like our Facebook page, then we will consider you a fan. <laughs> Every lucky entrant. <laughs> Don't you want to be called a fan? <laughs> Every lucky person to like our page will be called a fan. Uh, it's just it's uh, really an incredible deal yeah it's you've never seen a better sweepstakes than this so go ahead and we'll even really appreciate you too like you really want our appreciation we didn't talk about that are we actually going to appreciate them (laughs) 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 we appreciate you regardless but please like our facebook page please stay involved and please And please, more than that, read your scriptures, be in your scriptures, and um, pray about it, too, because there's a lot of good stuff in here, and it will reach out to you if you put in that effort like we talked about. So, join us again next week. We thank you for your time, and we pray you have a good rest of the day. Longest outro award goes to Andrew. (laughs) Nice work. It's because of the sweepstakes.